If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. We want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. So today we are talking about the wonderful film, Aretha, the queen of soul. So this film had been in development for a long time. And Aretha Franklin herself was involved in the development very closely up until her death in 2018. She was even quoted saying that Jennifer Hudson would win an Oscar for this role. Filming began in September of 2019 and wrapped in February of 2020, right before the start of the pandemic. The release was delayed a handful of times due to COVID, and as of September 9th, Respect has grossed $22.7 million. So this was directed by Liesl Tommy, and this was her feature directorial debut. And we have Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin, Sky Dakota Turner as young Aretha, Forrest Whitaker as C.L. Franklin, who was a very wealthy and renowned preacher, and Aretha's father. Marlon Wayans as Ted White. He was so transformed in this role. I did not even know that that was him until after, but we'll get into more of that later. We have Audra McDonald as Barbara Franklin. Mark Maron as Jerry Wexler. Titus Burgess as James Cleveland. I love Titus Burgess. He is that. I had to do a few double takes because I was like, is that him? I didn't recognize him in that first scene with young Aretha. I didn't know that was him until later. And I was like, oh, he's in this movie. But then I realized that it was, it was just like, is that, I don't know, hair and makeup. I don't know. Let me see. Yeah. And I've only seen him in comedic roles. So this was like yeah. a very nice change of pace. Yeah. In the um, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Like, yeah, oh my gosh, I love him. In that so show. good. So funny. Uh, we have Albert Jones as Ken Cunningham and Mary J. Blige as Dina Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kimberly Scott as Mama Franklin. I, she was like such a backbone in this film. Mm-hmm. She just was synonymous with home in this film to mm-hmm. me. So I thought I knew a little bit about Aretha Franklin before watching this film. Same. I, after watching it, I'm like, wow, I really knew nothing. So she was born March 25th, 1942. And this begins, this movie begins in 1952. And I'm like, okay, she's 10. Okay. I also didn't know that she grew up 
in the church and she started singing in the church and that sort of thing. And I also didn't know that she was a songwriter and a pianist. Like I, I just didn't know that. And cause by the time I, you know, had any reference to who she is, she was kind of had been around for a really long time. And, you know, I'd heard her hits on the radio because my parents only let me listen to the oldie station. Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew who she was in, in that regard, but just as far as her origin, I had no idea how musical she was from a very young age, you know, to go on to, she's been on the Rolling Stones, 100 greatest artists of all time, twice she's been on that list. You know, she's just legendary, which I knew that she was a legend you know, because everybody knows the song Respect. I've always seen Aretha Franklin as this strong, independent woman who is synonymous for, yeah, the hit song Respect. Mm -hmm. And she set the bar for strong female singers, such as Beyonce, you know, not just Jennifer Hudson also, but singers everywhere, female singers everywhere. I had no idea about her backstory. She has been through so much. Not once did it ever cross my mind because she carries herself so beautifully with class. Seeing her story, which we'll dive into in a, shortly, I just felt like, wow, there, there is no way that her backstory would have crossed my mind with how well she's handled herself over these years or since I've been around for sure. So yeah. I was just very impressed with how far she's come seeing now knowing her backstory. I think that now knowing her origin and how she grew up and everything, it really, the songs are that much more meaningful. And that's kind of what they would do in the film is like, they would show you something that happened and then there would be a song about it. And you're like, oh my gosh. And it was really moving and really impactful. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This is spoilers, people. We're talking about the movie. If you haven't seen Respect, please go watch it. It is incredible. Okay. So for like the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was like crying. Yeah. It was so um, intense and sky Dakota Turner, man, what a performance. She, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I never knew about the abuse as a little girl that Aretha went through and it was, it was such a shock Yeah, to me. Like you don't really know what you're walking into in this movie, like what she went through. Mm-hmm. I felt anger too. Oh, I was so angry. Yeah. I was like, not saying that today's system isn't, I mean, it's, it's a slightly better, but to see how much or how little protection kids have Mm -hmm. in today's world, let alone back then I was livid. I was like, where are your parents Yeah, (laughs) being raised in the church and all of this being covered up as well as it was like, I was so angry. They just didn't talk about it to her. Yeah. Like, not at all. They didn't, they didn't try to look into that or get somebody arrested. Exactly. You know, for her to be pregnant at 12, I'm like, did no one got mad? They just never said anything. I don't understand this. On top of that. Have you heard the rumors about, yeah, the rumors about her dad? No. What are the rumors about her dad? He got a 12 year old pregnant and that's why his marriage ended with their mom. What? Yeah. So that's why every, all the rumors were like initially, oh, it has to be her dad's kid. This was an incestuous relationship and that's why it was covered up or that's why they didn't look into it. She later on like came out with who the dad, you know, who her kid's dads are, Mm -hmm. but, and how it wasn't her dad's child, 
but oh, I was angry watching this. I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. How could anybody like let this happen to their kid? Yeah, and it does. That's yeah. the sad part. It happens it all, all the time. But, but then also, you know, her mom dying mm-hmm. right before she turns 10, like, you know, around the same time and she can't speak. Exactly. She loses her voice, so to speak. That's where we see that beautiful scene with James Cleveland played by Titus Burgess, where he's just, you know, encouraging her through song, like literally therapy is happening. And then the dad comes in and like ruins it. And he's like, you need to talk. And he's like, yeah, we're trying to get there. Yeah. Working on it. And he's like, you know, trying to help her. And the dad is just, just kind of bulldozes her. And he kind of does that throughout the film. And you see how this, this way of conditioning her to just do what she's told is, you know, really defined who she was for a long time, but in mm-hmm. like such a stark contrast to that scene that we see with her mom, how Aretha's like, I just want to sing. And she's like, okay, we're going to talk while we sing. And then they're communicating through song and talking. And it's so beautiful. And her mom's like, singing is sacred. Do it for you. Don't do it for anyone else. And, and she's teaching her how to have her voice. Mm-hmm. And her father, in contrast, is telling her that your voice doesn't matter, but only in how it can benefit me, which is you need to sing. You need to get ready to sing in church. And it's it's interesting and so sad at the same time where had her mother lived, she probably would have found her voice so much sooner. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the story is, is like the journey to Aretha finding her strength and her voice. But the relationship with her father was interesting, very complicated, very codependent. And I was kind of wondering before I watched this film, because I loved Dreamgirls and I loved Jennifer Hudson playing Effie Mm -hmm. and she won the Academy Award. Like, you know, as soon as she comes on screen, like this is an Academy Award performance in that film. And Effie was such a different character. She was had so much, she was so vivacious and had such a, she had so much gumption and just like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I was floored at Jennifer Hudson's ability to be a completely different person in a very similar sort of biopic kind of that era and like singing. And she was a different person, just her mannerisms, the way that she spoke. It was this demure humility. She even got her voice to sound like Aretha's, not just singing, but as she talked, as she spoke. Yes. And I I feel like she must've worked with a voice coach to get that down, but Mm -hmm. she was also a friend of Aretha Franklin's before she passed. Like once she did dream girls, that's when her friendship with Aretha Franklin started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she had plenty of time to study it and train for it. Mm -hmm. No problem. And she was the perfect person for the role. Absolutely. Without a doubt. It It was really interesting because when you, when she's singing in church that day, when she finally kind of her dad's like, get ready. Cause you're singing. And mm-hmm. it does that kind of panoramic where it goes back to her. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to age her up here. And I knew that they would. And it was interesting because you could see this change in her where she had sort of accepted that role of this mm-hmm. is my dad wants me to be a performer. And she's like, kind of sort of quietly just accommodating to whatever it is he's doing. You can kind of see it in her face and in her mannerisms. And when they showed her as a little girl, it's a 1952. Mm-hmm. And then it jumped to like 1959 when it showed her with her kids, when she was going back up to the house, I was like, I must've just read this wrong. I must've just read the dates wrong. Maybe they said 1942. Cause wouldn't that only make her 
17. And I'm like trying to do the math because I, no. I, I didn't read Wikipedia before. I didn't like look into anything. And I'm like, how does she have kids? How does she have two sons? This is seven years of time. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this. And the way that they kind of revealed it slowly uncovered, this is what happened. And then that just like heartbreaking scene where they show that scene of like this little girl that's pregnant. I'm like, yeah. are you freaking joking? Uh, it was just, like you said, it just makes you so angry. You know, she's still a 17 year old girl and she's at that backyard party and she sees that like hot guy, Ted White as Marlon yeah. Wayans, which I had no idea that was him the whole time because he just transformed into this other character. I mean, I would I had say no he's idea aged very well. <laughs> I, you know, what was yeah. it? The Wayne's Brothers show back yeah. in like the late 90s? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's aged a day. No. You know, we I I remember watching White Chicks thinking the same thing and mm-hmm. flash forward and that was early 2000s. So like mm-hmm. flash forward to 2021, he's still like age has done him like beautifully yeah fine wine age yeah but it was interesting like her mannerisms toward him like she was down Mm -hmm. and you know she had been so controlled and and this and that like she probably never had like the choice of who she was going to be attracted to you know because i mean her abuser that's like a manipulative relationship and like i don't know how that ended or anything they didn't say about that but it seemed to be kind of something of the past her boys were like you know maybe like like five and seven at that point or six and four. I don't know. Yeah. And at the same time, like, again, her abuser manipulated her so mm-hmm. that those hormones started so early for her because yeah. of that situation. Oh yeah. That it almost made her look like she was kind of in her prime when, she, by the time she was meeting Ted and she's like, still like 17 years old, right. Yeah. Still like so young. Yeah. And in that scene, I I had still was feeling like I read the dates wrong because it just Mm -hmm. kind of flashes and shows you. And then you bunch of stuff happens. You're like, Oh wait, maybe I just read that wrong. But like, no, she's just basically a kid. Mm -hmm. I have a 17 year old daughter. So it's like, that seems like a baby to me. Right. But yeah, that relationship was interesting. And it was interesting how her father knew he was a bad seed from day one for all of his faults I will say that like CL Franklin he he had Ted's number right away he knew mm-hmm. he's like nope you know even pulled a gun on him that one point like before yeah. dinner he's like you are just no good and he was right like he Ted abused her for years and but at the same time it's like her dad That's what kind she of, was raised with yeah he she he primed her for that type to be in that type of relationship mm-hmm. you know to And then how they kind of show things in retrospect, like the going up the elevator and then she comes back to her father's house with a black eye. And then we see it later, what was actually happening Mm -hmm. and how it was like caught on, like there was eyewitnesses. And then she's like asked about it in the media, man, like women's rights have come such a long way. And this is why people wonder why, like the divorce rate in the last 50 years has gone up. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you want to know why it's because we have more rights and laws in our favor when we're in situations like this, where it's not favorable to us. I'm like, that's why it's gone up because you know, we have more options, but I mean, you just feel so bad for her. I'm like, what a freaking dick this guy is. And she's just sweet. But over time, because of these relationships that she has, it 
it makes her kind of more of a hardened person. We're at the heart of who she is. She's like sweet and gentle. And even in her way, when she would, she would does this thing called de-escalation. And this is something that happens in like relationships that have domestic violence, where she can mm-hmm. see the cues of him about to escalate. And so yeah. she will jump in. Like when she was talking, when Ted to and Wexler. Jerry were about, yeah. to, about to get into it and he clenches his hands and then she de-escalates the situation. Do you know how emotionally draining that is to mm-hmm. always do that? But then it becomes like who you are. So when that is taken away and you no longer have that, and then she, you know, she's finally like, it's over. And then it shows her singing on stage. Think. So she's, Oh, you better think. Yeah. What you're trying to do to me. Yeah. And so that, so she's finally like, you're done. Mm-hmm. But then those, like those traumas, or as they call them, like going to the dark place, or she has survived these traumas for so long that now these coping mechanisms are coming out because she know is no longer in survival mode. So she's like drinking and you kind of see this spiral and she can't really trust in her relationship with Ken Cunningham. And he's, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's a great guy. And he's super mm-hmm. supportive of her almost to the point where you know, he doesn't want her to drink, but maybe he's like a little bit enabling, which I had no idea about her drinking past either. I think I knew something of it. I, I had know that no she idea. Had, you know, there were some like health issues there, um, but I didn't know about her, like, you know, falling off the stage and like, yeah, you know, but it's kind of just that classic under the spotlight as a, you know, young star and like having gone through a lot of stuff and really never having the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really sad, but, you know, thankfully, you know, she was able to kind of pull through. And then that moment where she's kind of at her lowest. And this is why I think Jennifer Hudson is going to be, she's going to be nominated for an Oscar because you see her at her lowest point. It's not glamorous. Tears streaming down her face, everything. And she just, it looks like a wreck. And there's that moment where she envisions her mom and they're singing like amazing grace. That's when things start to turn. Right. You know, she turns towards like the light rather than those like dark demons. And there was something that Titus Burgess's character had said about like forgiving yourself and letting go. And in that moment where she's seeing her mom, you see that happen. You know, there's grace here at your lowest for you and it's okay. So yeah, that part was goosebumps, super moving in tears. I'm like, man, this, this movie gets you right in the feels, right in the feels. I also didn't know that she was an activist for Martin Luther King. Yeah. I loved that aspect. I didn't know that either, but I mean, it makes sense with CL Franklin being a really prominent preacher that Mm -hmm. they had like a, he was like a close family friend. I loved being able to see that in this movie. Which made her, her singing at Obama's inauguration Mm -hmm. that much more meaningful. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was moved seeing her sing and now knowing her backstory Mm -hmm. to the activism that she helped create Mm -hmm. in that process. I was just like, oh, this is beautiful. Well, and for her to experience seeing how far things have come, Mm -hmm. like to have been in that fight for civil rights, like boots on the ground. She's doing oh, the yeah. work. She's doing the circuit to bring, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King's message. And then to be able to be there when like, you know, our president is being like inaugurated, like at what a moment for her. Right. You know, singing um, at the Kennedy center. Did you watch the end credits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I was just like, oh, I think that's the Kennedy Center honors yeah. and seeing the Obamas rock out and like yeah. and or get emotional like yep. the rest of the crowd does in general when she sings. But I was just like, oh, right in the feels. Oh, yeah. I'm so impressed with her strength. And in the movie, the whole time you're dying for her to get a backbone. Mm-hmm. dying for her to yell at somebody and just like just scream and like speak up for herself in that scene where she's singing respect mm-hmm. or the scene where like that song's coming together yes and they're like mm-hmm. and she's like give it a little more over here and it's like this collaborative effort and just seeing her at the piano I loved the fact that she was just a musician like through and through and like she was finding her voice there she always knew what she wanted like I want hits And, you know, she knew what she wanted, but in Mm -hmm. relationships, it was like, she just was a doormat. I I would say say I'm very surprised at how passive her character was, but to your argument, she knew how to de-escalate things. Mm -hmm. So I was a lot of strength. Yeah, it does. It does. Absolutely. So I just, again, I was waiting for her to like snap and be like, no, you do not talk to me like this. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I am. I am your equal. I am your wife. I am this. I I am so much better than you all around in general. And I was waiting for that moment. And instead we got this very passive personality who just knew how to deescalate conversations to the point where she just did not want any type of fighting at the very beginning too, when any type of confrontation happened, she could run away from it. Mm -hmm. You saw that with um, this thing with Dina at the beginning when she was playing a club. I mean, yeah. And she just, if something, I'm not saying if something got too hard, she would run, but she knew how to deescalate a situation very well. Yeah. It was interesting when she was finally breaking up with Ted and then she just kind of like screams at him Mm -hmm. and then he stares at her. And then my favorite quote, when she's having that, she's getting into it with her dad finally. Mm -hmm. And he's like, have you lost your mind? And she replies, maybe I did, or maybe I found it. Yep. Yeah, she finally spoke her piece. She finally said what she needed to say, like enough's enough. Stop pushing me around. Mm-hmm. Something I was really moved by was um, the cinematic translation of how Aretha experienced her trauma. And they called it the dark place in the film. And it was almost kind of like this out of body sort of underwater feeling where it would kind of revert back to these, these memories and you're getting it in these pieces and trauma does not replay in your brain as a story because it's kind of in pieces and it's broken and you, and you block some parts out and they mm-hmm. kind of highlight that with her sisters when they're saying like, you don't remember us sitting on the roof and our parents would yell. And, you know, because she'd already have, I mean, there's so much trauma that yeah. she's gone through her brain only bits and pieces, but not in like a, a, a timeline or a story and it's broken. And that's exactly how they portray, portrayed it on camera. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was remarkable. I'm like, this is, this is really good. This is kind of how, you know, trauma does, it replays in these broken pieces, you know, just that scene where Titus's character, they're in the church and they're about to film and just his wisdom and encouragement to Aretha. It's like something we all can learn from, like, let go, forgive yourself. And I mean, she finally did. Mm-hmm. And to know that she was involved in this film, like its development, and to know that she had control of how her story was going to be told, to me, that is like the ultimate win 
because when you've been it is. told your whole life what to do mm-hmm. and people that were like, no, we're going to write your story for you, or we're going to do this. And, and you don't get to have a voice. And then she kind of gets the last word over her story. I'm like, just clapping as loud as I can and cheering for her. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And again, knowing that this film was such a work in progress and she was working on it up until her death. And then I feel like Jennifer Hudson did her due diligence, not just portraying Aretha, but being an executive producer on it too, and making sure her story was told the way she wanted it told Absolutely. to the very end. Yeah, I thought, oh, that's that's a really beautiful way to like mark her memory and her mm-hmm. legacy. Yeah. So cheers to Jennifer Hudson for putting in all that hard work. A hundred percent. And I look forward to seeing the announcement that she's being nominated. Same. She has to be nominated. Same. This was incredible. And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original, custom-made, fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form, all designed by yours truly. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. Also, take a look at our blog, thefangirlspodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to our podcast here. You can find our favorite fandom things here and get to know a little bit more about us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time, folks. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. MGM, Metro Goldwyn Meyer, for those of you who did not know what MGM stood for. Jennifer Hudson, Aretha Franklin, or any of the cast. Just really big fans. Super big fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.